Good morning, everybody. I had a young man named Larry said to me, I'm looking for you bringing the word and feeding me and making sure you feed me enough that there's going to be carry out. But I've got another guy that wants to talk about food, so I would let this guy come and talk about food. Uh, Thanks, Steve. So, um, Sunday school teacher for the adult men's class. Uh, regular Greg wanted me to announce. We talked about the evangelist coming for revival in April, April 11th through the 14th. The day before, inviting all men to come to the fellowship hall. We're going to have a chili cook-off. If you're interested in preparing chili for the cook-off, let me know. There's a sign-up sheet out in the um, foyer. Um, the more people we have cooking, the less chance I have of winning. <clears throat> so let's keep it to a minimum, like maybe four people. But if you're interested, really, let us know um, when you sign up for the chili cook-off. Uh, if you want to prepare chili, just make sure that that's on the sheet. But please, just come. We're going to fellowship with the evangelist, get to know him a little bit better. We're going to have wee bowling. Brother Greg has an open challenge. I think he thinks he's pretty good. We'll see about that. We're going to have uh, um, cornhole. Thank you and you. Cornhole as well. Uh, it won't be the tournament like we've had in the past. So um, Alan Taylor, the defending champion, and he says he's not bringing the trophy. But um, with that, if you're interested, there's a sign-up sheet in the lobby. Um, let us know. The more people we know how many were coming, the more we know how many people could challenge me for the uh, chili cook-off. Thanks again, Steve. I really enjoy David Burton, so you are blessed to have him back as you've had him before, and I pray that you look forward to it. Pray for me that, uh, that I might feed you today, and that, like I said, there might be something that would be able to take away from this and have carry out, so to speak. Um, I want to thank uh, your pastor, uh, Greg Jackson, for the privilege to share the Word of God with you this morning. What I'm grateful for about your pastor is that as I'm around a number of churches and uh, get to be around a number of pastors, I'm grateful that you have a man that preaches the Word of God. And that's extremely important. But what I uh, appreciate also is not only does he preach the Word of God, he's a preacher, but he's also a pastor. And I am glad for you that you have a man that wants to tell you the truth in love and then he wants to love you and so uh, you are blessed to have him as your pastor and thank you that you do the different things that you do to make that known to him if you uh, I'm not sure are we gonna have on the screen the scripture verses uh, we'll have those up in just a minute if you want an outline we're gonna give that to you uh, the sermon topic is becoming more like Jesus and we're going to use three verses, so you'll be able to follow that uh, very easy. Um, I want to share with you about the North American Mission Board just a minute since you promoted that. When I came to your association ten and a half years ago from northern Ohio after a, a long-term pastorate, all of our Southern Baptist churches was delivering messages and singing in English. Today, I can share with you that with the support of the North American Mission Board, through funding of the North American Mission Board, 
we have a church that is Spanish speaking um, in Fairfield. So in the Fairfield Hamilton area, we had only English speaking Southern Baptist churches. Now we have a Spanish work that's over 80 people are attending that on a Sunday morning. We have a work from Nepal that has been going on for a few years and they speak in their native language. In January, we started a French speaking work where the man was from the Congo. And this is a group of people from the Congo that are gathering together and the language in, is in French. Last month, I met with a man that is from Nepal, Bhutan as well, and we're getting ready to start another um, language group, and that will probably be funded by the North American Mission Board. So when you give your money and you say, where is that money being used? Well, when I came here five, uh, 10 years ago, my first five years, I was a NAM missionary. So you can say, oh, I've met somebody that's a NAM missionary. And you can say, well, I know in Hamilton and Fairfield, there are non-English speaking churches that are being funded by the North American Mission Board. So as you're giving your money, that's where some of that money is going. A couple English speaking works that are real close to you here, if you go down the hill, so to speak, to Somerville, the church there, Trevor's brother that's pastor, Jeff receives North American Mission Board funding. If you go to Morning Sun, the pastor there, Alan, receives North American Mission Board support. So as you're giving this money, that money is coming back to this area, and we're seeing English-speaking churches, non-English-speaking churches, proclaiming the message of salvation in Jesus Christ. So that's what it's all about. Amen? So thank you again for the privilege of being with you. Becoming more like Jesus. Becoming more like Christ. That's the, the title and the focus today. Let me ask that if you uh, will, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We're going to look at 28 and 29. Uh, I'm looking around. I, I, I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to be in the morning service. And then I got to be in the youth group and found some sugar in the youth group. And, and uh, youth and sugar are great. And uh, uh, Isaac, thanks for doing the prayer. Uh, I remember being baptized in a Southern Baptist church when I was a senior in high school. Little church background at all. Got baptized. Dad, it was my, just Dad and I, and Dad says after all of that, says, do you want to pray supper time? They call it grace or something. And uh, didn't know a lot about that, had not been exposed to that. Well, after a few times, Isaac, uh, then I kept showing up late. Dad says, where are you? I'm at practice, sports. I'm at practice. Dad never found out. I didn't know what to pray after two or three times. I ran out of prayers, and it's like, what do I do next? You know. Uh, so I appreciate the opportunity to be in the youth group, and Isaac, for the courage to come up. I like all your support group that you had with you. So if you are able to stand, and I appreciate some of you cannot. I've just had two new knees replaced in the past year, so standing can be a challenge sometimes. But for the Word of God, in honoring the Word of God, if you'll stand with me, let's look at this passage here, Romans 8, 28. And as you look at that, the Word of God says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And I want to key in on that word, purpose. And then in verse 29, it says, For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be, catch this, 
conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, would you take the words that you've laid on my heart, help me to communicate in such a way that you will create an attraction and affection for Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the privilege to be at um, First Southern Baptist Church in Camden. And Lord, this morning, you know the hearts of your hearers that are gathered together and will hear this message. Lord, use the words to bring glory to yourself, to bring people to Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Romans, the writer, Paul. At first, he was one that persecuted Christians. He would find out if you were a Christian, he would confiscate your property, he would put you in jail. It's a little frightening because I think, are we getting there as well as a nation? But he had an encounter with the resurrected Christ. And when he had that encounter with Christ, he became a follower of Christ. He became a leader. We know him or refer to him as an apostle. He became a mentor to Christians. He strengthened churches. He started churches. He wrote much of what we call the New Testament. He was a man at first, a rejecter of Christ. And then he became one who received Christ and recognized that what Christ did at Calvary in dying as that sinless, perfect sacrifice, Christ died in his place, and he accepted Christ and the redemption through the blood of Jesus. He proclaimed that salvation wherever God would give him opportunity. Paul writes, and as he writes for us, I, I want you to catch this first phrase, purpose, conform to the image. The first point that I want you to get this morning, I'll give you three points. So the first one is clear purpose. Do you have a clear purpose in life? As a young child, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, as about a seven-year-old. Going to church only two or three times, I, I did not grow much. But by the time I was in high school, I was a senior in high school, going to school in West Carrollton, which is Dayton Mall area. And I joined the church there, and I was baptized into the church in West Carrollton, and in Miamisburg. What God would do then was work in my heart that I would not only want to be a follower of Jesus or a believer in him in terms of receiving him as my savior, but I'd really want my life to count for him. I wanted to live for him. And so Isaac, and I think of you praying, it takes me back, when I'm in your youth group, it takes me back to my high school. We didn't have Bible study in my high school. I didn't know hardly anything about the scriptures. But we started a Bible study group in our high school. Many people will follow Christ for the forgiveness of sins. They want the pardon that Jesus gives. But what far too many lack is the clear purpose to follow Christ. 
And Paul says here, make it your purpose. It's God's purpose. It's God's will for you to be conformed to the image of Christ. What is the image that you have of Christ? I remember one young man when I was pastoring, he was a teenager, and I asked him, who's Jesus? I don't know. Who's Noah? I don't know. Who's Adam? Who's Eve? I don't know. He knew less than I did as a teenager. As a teenager, when I accepted Christ, if you were to ask me, what's an apostle? I had no idea. If you'd say, what is an epistle? I would have no idea. If you'd put those two together, I would have assumed you were talking about a husband and wife. I didn't know. For those of you that were like me, an apostle was a follower of Jesus. An epistle was what they wrote. But I didn't grow up in church, so I didn't know the church language. And so there are people out there that when you mention the word Jesus, they have no image of him. They don't know who he is. There are some people that have an understanding of Jesus, but it's inaccurate. It's wrong. Because it's popular opinion. It's not biblical-based. All of us have incomplete images of Jesus because none of us know everything about Jesus. But it's important to get an image. My wife loves to bake cookies and cupcakes. Uh, she, she just spends hours doing that. Now what she'll do is she'll go on the internet and, and get the design that she wants. So if we have a birthday party, like right now I've got a three-year-old, a five-year-old, and an eight-year-old at my house. And they're here uh, for days with me, my some of my younger grandchildren. So if it's birthday time and it's a three-year-old, my wife looks for a three. And then she says, now how can I color it? The girls want certain colors. The boys want other colors. And so depending on what the occasion is, we're coming up with colors. So my wife researches to get the right image. And then she takes the next step. Image is so important. Image drives what she does in terms of making those cupcakes and cookies. Image of Christ will drive you to him or away from him. Is the image that you have of Christ a biblical image? Is it an accurate one? Or is it one just based on the opinion of culture or somebody that you know or you're acquainted with that really doesn't know what Scripture says? Image. Purpose. My prayer for you this morning is that when you leave, you'll leave with a clearer purpose in your life than when you came in. And may that purpose be more than the pardon of sins. May it be to follow Christ, to be conformed to the image of Christ. Does that make sense? Okay, point one. Point two. Let's look at the next scripture verse. As you're looking at that verse, Paul also is the author. It is found in Colossians 3, verse 10. It says this, And put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Put on the new man. Paul is using this language of 
when you were a non-Christian, you had one nature. When you become a Christian, you get a new nature. Praise God, we get a new nature when we become a Christian. Um, I have a certain nature. I have a certain genetic code. Um, I have this somewhat called an organizational gene. My grandfather that worked at NCR back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s was a tool and die maker. When you go to his house in Moraine near Dayton, Ohio, you'd go into his garage, he'd had the pegboard uh, placed on the wall, and then he'd paint all the tools. So if you were looking for a screwdriver, he'd have that spot painted, and that's where the screwdriver would hang. Hammer, all the tools were there. I mean, he had tools because it was his trade, and he had a place for his tools. When we'd come into the house from the garage, Grandma would have us put our shoes in a certain place. My mom picked up Grandma and Grandpa's jeans because my mom, she lived in California, moved from Ohio out to California. When I'd go visit her, I'd go, and if I'm checking any of the rooms out, if I'd go into a closet, Mom had her clothes by color. Here's the red clothes. Here's the blue clothes. Here's the yellow clothes. And mom liked colors. I so mom had a lot of clothes. Um, mom had boxes. When mom was going to die of cancer, mom knew that I was going to inherit a bunch of stuff. So she wanted me to know what stuff I'm inheriting. So she labeled them. Mom liked to decorate for the seasons. Mom would decorate Christmas, Thanksgiving, Halloween, Easter. So when I'd go to her house, all these boxers were labeled seasonally. Organizational genes. You come to my house, guess what? I got that gene. You pull into my garage, and I've had one guy say to me, he said, I've never seen a garage like yours. My toolbox labeled screwdrivers, hammer. My wife says, where's the hammer? I said, go out there and look at the label. You know, the screwdriver, hammer label. Uh, it's labeled. You go into my closet. I have drawers in the closet. They're labeled. I won't tell you all the other stuff, that how that's done. You go down to the toy room, which is what we call our basement. You go down there, and guess what? The toy boxes. They're labeled. And so we got that. Well, the thing is, my grandmother, grandpa had it. Mom had it. I got it. I've got two sons. My younger son is a little afraid. Dad, I'm turning into you. And, 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 he, he's finding that he, he's got to organize stuff. He'll call me up and say, Dad, guess what I found on the, or, uh, on the Amazon? I found an organizational kit. I can get this box and I can put this in. You know, he's got his watches. They've got to be in a certain box. His clothes have to be positioned a certain way. So I won't talk about him, but he got it. The point is, it's in the genes. It's passed on. Guess what? Here in this passage where it says, put on the new man, when you receive Christ, you not only got forgiveness of sin, you got a new nature. A new nature. When I accepted Christ as a seven-year-old, I, I, I really didn't know where that would lead me. And then as a 17-year-old, 
it's like, uh, there's a lot of things I don't know. But God was working because of that new nature within me to teach me. And so as I would grow in Christ, God would lead me and develop me so that I am where I am today. The new nature. My little children, when I was leaving today, uh, I went into the bedroom, and my wife had laid out the clothes the children are going to wear. But I know this is going to happen. My wife is going to say to the children, because she was singing in another church today, so, that the, so she and the children are somewhere else. My wife's going to say to the children, are you dressed? And somebody will probably say, I'm dressed. And she will look down and say, uh, your socks aren't on. Your shoes aren't on. We're not ready to go. They had part of the clothes on, but they were missing some. They weren't ready. They needed all of it. You and I, as we live out the Christian life, may recognize we have certain genes, certain abilities, but we may lack awareness of other genes and other abilities that has God given. So Paul is here saying, put on the new clothes. Having a clear purpose is important, but you need a clear process or a comprehensive process. So if you're going to be conformed to the image of Christ, you need to know that God is at work in your life. Amen? There are things that he's doing in your life. Um, here's one I want to suggest to you. It, scripture says here, put on that new man and be renewed according to knowledge. Here's four areas. If you want to write down the four C's. The character of Christ. Character. The cause of Christ. The conduct of Christ. The conversation of Christ. I pray that your image of who Christ is will grow in those four areas. I'm young enough that I remember the wonderful TV set that I had that I thought was color because we had gone to my dad's brother's house, my uncle's house, and we saw our first color television program. And I told my dad, he said, Dad, we got color TV at home. Dad says, no, we don't. Yes, we do, Dad. We got color TV. When we get home, I go and turn on the TV set. And we did. We had black, white, and gray on that big 19-inch TV. And uh, I had to say, Dad, you're right. I'm wrong. Um, and, you know, and as a teenager, that's sometimes hard to do. And so, you know, I don't see 19-inch black, white, gray TVs when I go to my people's houses. There's something different. It's color. And it's not 19-inch. Think about what you have at your house. I told my wife, honey... I'm going blind. I can't use that 55. I, I got to get a bigger one, you know, so we got a 65 now. I go to somebody else's house and I'm jealous because they got an 82 inch, you know, and the sound bar and all the stuff. 4K. Oh, it's amazing. Now, when my children were teenagers, we had the video games, and so I go back and I can remember Pong 
so exciting, you know, that little thing going back and forth. And then my one that I hold on to that I really like playing is my 64. Uh, I do Wave Racer, Mario Kart, I can't steer. I, you know, I'm not any good at that. So these new things that are out, you know, it's changed. There's an attraction to things today, whether it's TV or video game systems, because the image is more dynamic. At my house, when I'm renting the computer and I want to make an image, it feeds to my copier. And the copier that I have, and I don't know what kind you've got, but mine takes four cartridges. In the morning service, some of you said you had only two cartridges, so I'm curious what you've got. Do you guys have a four cartridge unit or two cartridges? What you guys got? Four? Two? I'm going to have to check out those two. I don't know. I've got laser also, which, you know, just one. My four cartridge, black. I'm going to make it English, my own language, not the way they do it. Blue, red, yellow. Those four cartridges give me a tremendous image. And so we have 4K TV, four cartridge copier. We get a great image. I like it. I want to suggest to you that if you're going to be conformed to the image of Christ, if you look at the four C's, character, cause, conduct, in conversation, look at those four C's as it pertains to Christ. And I believe it can enhance the image that you might have of Jesus Christ. And if we can enhance that image, increase that image, then maybe there'll be a greater desire to want to be conformed to the image of Christ. There is no person with greater character. He is supreme in his judgment, in his knowledge, in his love. He is supreme in his cause and that he gave his very life so that we could be forgiven of our sins. He's supreme in how he conducted his life. You see his compassion. You see his interest. One man was hurting. He said, if you're willing, Jesus says, I'm willing. The writer of the Gospels would say of Jesus, he has compassion. Jesus would look at a situation and say, I have compassion. His conversation, no one could teach like Jesus. No one had the knowledge that Jesus had. When you take those four C's and you allow them to grow in your knowledge as you get into the Word of God, what can happen is that the image of Christ becomes vivid. My wife, when she uh, would bake these cookies, it wasn't enough just to know the image that she wanted in terms of what it was going to look like. She needed to follow a process in order to make sure she had all the ingredients, get it ready, bake it at the right time, decorate it in the right sequence. But I want to give you the third one. As you look at Scripture here, our third verse, Scripture says, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. This speaks to compelling passion. I said, honey, why, why do you like spending time on the Internet looking for the image, researching how you're going to do this? Why do you like baking cupcakes and cookies? 
She said, it's fun. She's got that artsy gene. She was a florist for over 10 years. She loves colors. She says, when I do this, I enjoy it because it's going to be a celebration. Usually it's a birthday or an anniversary or a, it's just an expression of love. Here, I'm thinking of you. Here's a cupcake. Here's a cookie. I'm ready to go home and eat. And, and, and you know, here, you know, something like that. She's great at it. She enjoys it. There's a passion. You can have a purpose. You can have a process. But if you don't have a clear passion, if you don't have that compelling passion, guess what? You're not going to do it. One of the things I've been doing with guys recently is uh, part of my background is counseling, uh, training is in counseling. I'll ask guys, I'll say, tell me, what is it that caused you to be attracted to your girlfriend or your spouse? Young guy in his 20s said to me, oh, have I introduced you to my girlfriend? No, he did. He introduces me to his girlfriend, and I said, in front of her, what is it that attracted you to her? He says to her, and I do this on purpose because I want her to hear this. He says, oh, she's so beautiful. And he kind of shy when he says this, you know. But he says, she's so beautiful. And then he comes back and says, she's just so caring. And uh, it's fun to hear guys do that. And then I'll, I ask another guy. I said, um, just this past week, met him for the first time. And I asked him, he says, good question. He says, in this case, this guy's married. He's only been married a few years. And I said, what attracted you to her? And she's not overhearing this conversation, but he's telling me. And he says, she's so beautiful. It tends to be one of the key answers. And then he comes back. She said, she's so compassionate. She's a Christian. He said, I wanted somebody to make me the best me I could be. And she can do that. Well, I'm interested in what attracts people to people. And then I'm also interested in what attracts people to Christ and why they're still following Christ. So recently I asked a man that 20 years ago, he had accepted Christ. His father was a Hindu priest. So he had come out of the Hindu faith that had embraced Christ and it's been 20 years. He's still following Christ. So I want to know, why are you following Christ? What is it that attracts you to Christ? And he says to me, he's my love. He's my life. I want to live for him. I want to make him known. And I'm thinking, that's passion. Yes, you can have a purpose. And you can have a process, know how to do it. But if you don't have a passion, you're not going to pursue the purpose. This morning, I hope that you are at that place in your life where you're saying, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to have faith in Jesus Christ. I want not only pardon of sins, but I want purpose in life. I want God to use my life for His glory. I want to be used to multiply and mature disciples of Jesus Christ. Are you there? If you're not there yet, can I suggest you spend some time in the Word of God and let God increase that image with clarity as to who is Jesus Christ.
that 19-inch black and white TV served a purpose for its time. But I liked color TV. I liked the bigger TV. I like all the sound that goes with it. Scripture talks about magnifying the Lord. Let's make much of Jesus. And when much is made of Jesus, we will be drawn to Him and others will be drawn to Him. And so my prayer for you today is that you will have that clear purpose. I want to be more like Jesus, conform to His image. I want to be like Him in character, cause, conduct, conversation. I want to see people come to know Jesus. Amen? Would you stand with me as we pray together? Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus Christ that gave his life for us on a cross. And by his shed blood, our sins can be forgiven. Father, thank you for loving us and providing that forgiveness. May we receive not only pardon today, but a clear purpose from you. Thank you, Lord, for this day that we can gather. We pray for those around the world that have yet to hear about Jesus. Use us, Father, to make Jesus known locally and globally. In Jesus' name, amen. The altar is open. Maybe there's a prayer concern you have. You want to come to the altar. Maybe you have a decision you want to make today to accept Christ or to be part of this church. I'll be down front. We'll have others as needed. You respond to him for his glory. I shared with the uh, morning audience that uh, my little three-year-old comes and gets me up at 6.30 in the morning. She jumps in bed, and I'm thinking, oh, I wonder what time it is. And uh, 6.30, I thought, oh, well, i got to get up soon anyhow, uh, you know, in order to get here. And so when I tucked her in bed the night before, as uh, we're laying down, she says to me, Poppy, will you sing that song? Well, I'm not gifted like your pastor. I don't have that singing gene, so you won't hear me sing. He's never invited me to come sing. And so I, I'm laying with her, and I sing the song. Basically, says, 
Poppy loves them. I put her name in there, Abilene. So Poppy loves Abilene, Poppy loves Abilene. And I sing that. She says, will you sing me that Poppy loves Abilene song? So I sing that to her. And then she says, will you sing Abilene loves Poppy? Abilene loves Poppy. So I do that. And then we have others. You name the stuffed animals. We got all these stuffed animals. So it's like this one, this one, this one that loves Abilene. The point is, I want her as a three-year-old to know that her Poppy loves her. I want her to know that beyond any doubt. And then I want her to love me. So I sing it both ways. And so it's fun to do that. You know, as a little three-year-old, she yet, you know, it's my singing. She can't follow me. So she, uh, she, she knows the words, but she's not ta taken on my tune yet. But as a three-year-old, you know, she's going into bed. It's like, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear that Poppy loves me. Guess what? In our heart, there is a cry to want to hear that God Almighty loves us. There is that desire to want to know that we're loved. Sometimes my five-year-old uh, grandchild, we had a little bit of word yesterday. Um, things weren't going well so um, his response to me as I had to have a sit down with him uh, he needed to know that Poppy loved him and when you're being disciplined as a little child you don't like it and uh, we had that sit down so as we go to bed last night and he snuggles up with me I know it's okay. We've got past that discipline. You know, there are things that we do that God disciplines for our good, but in the moment, it creates a distance. But know that God is not mad at you. God loves you. And as you walk in that love, that's what you give away. If you walk in fear, you give fear away. If you walk in hate, you give hate away. Be conformed to the image of Christ. Be careful that you don't have an inaccurate image. All of us have an incomplete image, but sometimes people can have an inaccurate. Get to know Christ. 